Individuals on the autism spectrum tend to have a particularly strong affinity towards certain items, shows, movies, activities, etc. This is often referred to as an autistic special interest. But what makes a special interest different than a neurotypical hobby? Today we will discuss this difference and shed light on why these interests may bring your child intense joy. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Today we are talking about special interests and some people know what that is and some people don't know what special interests are. Um, I've found out that it is a term that not every parent is actually familiar with. When was the first time you heard that term, Matt? I mean, obviously, it was well after our girls had been diagnosed and even not right at the beginning because our girls were so young when they had first got their diagnosis. I mean, they were 18, 20 months, so they hadn't really gotten much exposure to really anything. So at that time, we didn't really see anything significant that would make us think of like, oh, that is definitely like a special interest. It would be probably within the last two, three years or so. Yeah, I think. The first thing that we noticed that was a special interest with our first child who was diagnosed with autism that we didn't realize was a special interest in the time, but obviously did become one, was her interest in ducks and like all things ducks and rubber ducks. Like that interest, it's so funny because like it's been so intense basically since she could not even talk, like before she could talk. She's been really obsessed with rubber ducks. It didn't start with rubber ducks, I think specifically. Or did it start with real ducks? I can't remember. I think we had stuffed animal ducks before we had like the rubber ducks, I believe. Yes. Stuffed animal ducks, not stuffed live ducks. Not stuffed taxidermy like (laughs) ducks for her to play with. Oh my gosh. I hope she never graduates to taxidermy (laughs) ducks. That would be something I would have issues with. (laughs) A passion project. (laughs) Then that becomes a future career. But that's actually something that we wanted to talk about in the sense that Special interests oftentimes are kind of like a confusing topic for somebody who is not familiar with or has not experienced a special interest. So typically that would mean somebody who's neurotypical, who's not autistic, and doesn't have the autistic joy that comes with special interests. Generally speaking, a special interest is similar to a hobby, but it's not the same thing as a hobby. Matt, you could tell me about your experience with hobbies, but for me, a hobby is usually something that you kind of pick up and enjoy. It brings you joy. It kind of gives you peace of mind. It's something that you can pass the time with, maybe relieve stress with. And it could be something that you hold like near and dear, but it's not like your blood life, you know, like it's not something that necessarily passionately energizes you through life. It's just something that you enjoy and perhaps does give you some of that emotional energy. But oftentimes hobbies change as you grow. You might outgrow your hobbies. You might do them for like social engagement purposes. Like some people have hobbies because those hobbies allow them to participate socially with friends. Whereas a special interest in my experience and in that of my child has been more about an interest that you are quite passionate about to the point where you really get sucked into it and you learn absolutely everything you can about that thing. You deep dive into it and it's something that tends to progress with you throughout time so you're not easily distracted from that thing and you don't easily switch off of that thing. So like, for example, our eldest with her rubber ducks, she's now five 
And she is still really obsessed with ducks as she has been since she was like two, I think. While you were talking, I was thinking about like my own perception of like a hobby. So I I agree. I feel like a hobby is like something you can pick up, but I feel like there's different calibers of a hobby. At one level, it can be more like a social gathering. Like, oh, I like to do hacky sack with like my friends because like that's our thing. Like we're the hacky sack team or something. (laughs) Does that still exist? I I don't know. I was thinking of something from the 90s. I feel like that's like a 90s. Yeah. You're aging yourself. (laughs) Apparently. So I was just thinking like, okay, if you do it with your friends, It's more of like a social thing. You don't necessarily do much on your own. But then as you go down, I guess, the spectrum of hobbies, it kind of borderlines to more of like an obsession where it kind of consumes, I guess, more so your identity of who you are. Because there are some people that I don't necessarily believe fall on the autistic um, spectrum, but you would consider them to be obsessed with whatever they're hobby, craft, whatever they're interested in, because either that's all they're talking about, they're looking up statistics to how to improve whatever function, they know everything about that. So it's interesting because if you think of a hobby, sometimes it can be seen in a positive light of, oh, he's a great like hacky sack player. He's a great person to have at the bar or wherever you play hacky sack. Please tell sack. me there's no hacky sack teams. Tell me that's I, I don't, not I don't a know. thing. I, I honestly, hope that is not a thing. <laughs> I honestly don't know. But it can be seen as like a positive thing. Oh yeah, we always have a great time playing hacky sack whenever he's around. But then at the same time, if you take it too far to the other extreme, then it shifts to he's obsessed with hacky sack and that's all he ever does, which kind of has a like negative connotation with it as well. It doesn't change the category of what you're interested. It changes the level of your interest. But I was just thinking of that in my own life, I guess, not, not with a hacky sack per se. (laughs) Is this your deep, dark secret? (laughs) Maybe. But if someone takes like a hobby to the next level, they also run the risk of like society kind of almost casting them aside as kind of an outcast because they're like, well, he likes hacky sack, but kind of like a little too much. Like it, it, it creates a, like a negative connotation almost because it becomes a obsession of that person. So I'm not sure if that means anything to you, but it was just like my own uh, internal thought process as you were talking about like the different stages of um, hobby versus like special interests. So it's interesting that you bring up the word obsession because that is often a word that is thrown around autistic individuals when it comes to special interests. And it's virtually always said with a negative connotation. If somebody were to see like a parent whose child was really into trains, they might look at it negatively and be like, oh, your kid is obsessed with trains. I find that interesting that people say that with like a negative connotation, because for me, I'm like, why would somebody view something as negative if it's bringing that child joy or it's not harming anyone? For instance, if you are really, really interested in something, like let's say you're autistic and you have a super passionate interest in something, and that thing is causing you to not take care of your health, not take care of your needs, I can I can understand that. I, that actually happened to me growing up. One of my special interests growing up was The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. I was an avid reader. This was in like middle schools. I was reading these books like feverishly. And every time a book would come out, I'd buy it the same day and I would stay in my room. I would lock myself in. And for context, these books are they're adult. um, They're written for adults. So they're really wordy. And they're about a thousand or so pages on average per book. And I would get this book brand new. I'd lock myself in my room and I would stay in there the entire day. And I mean, virtually the entire 24 hours because I would not sleep. 
I would not eat. I would basically only leave the room if I really had to use the restroom and then I'd run back and then keep reading it. And I would read the entire book in like one sitting because I was so obsessed with it. And I say obsessed, but when I say obsessed, I actually mean it in like a positive way. I actually like using the term obsessed because to me, it doesn't have a negative connotation because I'm not using it that way. But I understand that generally the public views obsession or special interest in a negative way. But for me personally, I find that special interest can be really, really helpful. Like for me, my special interest in the Wheel of Time, yes, it had some negatives in the sense that I kind of neglected my health a little bit because I wasn't eating or sleeping properly and things like that. But because of my special interest in the Wheel of Time, I developed a really enhanced vocabulary. Like to this day, when I've gotten my IQ test done, I tend to score really, really high, like above average when it comes to that like vocabulary comprehension part. And I attribute that completely to my obsession to the Wheel of Time, which was like this old English type of fantasy and literature. I also read a lot of like Victorian novels and things like that. If it wasn't for that deep passionate interest I had in that, I would not know all this stuff. And I purposefully carried with me a dictionary at the time. This was before the internet. (laughs) So I carried a dictionary with me when I was reading these books because I would always run into these words that I didn't know what they were. And I'd quickly look them up, memorize them, keep reading. And so that's something that like I feel like parents and society sometimes doesn't realize is that a special interest can have definite benefits and pros as well. No, I agree. I mean, I, I I think now that I've kind of started to see what kind of a special interest is, I definitely think that it does have many added benefits because if you are able to utilize that in whatever aspect of life that's applicable, it can definitely have positive attributes. So I'm thinking about like our oldest daughter, for example. She takes after mom and dad super into like Mario, for example. She also has low muscle tone, so she's in physical therapy. So generally, she used to kind of struggle because she wouldn't really want to do physical therapy because it was a little bit harder for her as far as like going up and down stairs, walking across like a little like balance beam that they have on the floor. I think she probably saw it a little bit more like work. And when she has low muscle tone, she probably gets tired and doesn't want to do the activities. However, because she's invested in Mario and specifically Mario Kart, she wants to be a little racer. So thankfully she has great uh, therapist and they use that special interest and kind of work with her on different interests that she kind of circulates through. So they created like an obstacle course that she could be a little racer. So she's like princess peach so she could be princess peach and she goes around the little obstacle course kind of jumping over things as they set them up so she's getting physical therapy she thinks she's having fun being a little race racer it doesn't hurt anyone if anything it actually is an added benefit because she's excited to go to physical therapy she's exciting to do the activities i mean i honestly think that that is probably one of her favorite therapies because every time she sees her therapist um, even on a day that she doesn't have physical therapy she's super excited and she'll go up and hug her by people being clever and able to kind of work with the different special interest or different uh, interest in general that they have, they can get further. It's not necessarily like a struggle of, I don't really want to work on, I don't know, swinging across like a rope or something today. But if you turn it into something fun that they're totally into, then they're jumping on the rope and they want to keep going again and again. So I definitely think that it can be very beneficial um, if you see the value in it. Yeah. And there's 
a couple other reasons too why a special interest can actually be beneficial and is different than a hobby. So one of these, for instance, is knowledge uh, gaining. So for example, our oldest daughter recently, her special interest has been, actually both of them, interestingly enough, has been human anatomy. So they're only four and five, but they are obsessed with human anatomy. Our eldest had to do a self-portrait in her art class. And um, as she was sitting there trying to draw herself, what was it that she asked her teacher? She asked for her self-portrait. She asked if the teacher could help her draw her thyroid. Yes. So she wanted a thyroid in the picture. The (laughs) self-portrait, yeah. And she is right now really obsessed with like the organs and what they do and what and all these things. So she's constantly watching videos about these. She's bringing it into everyday conversations. When she had to use the restroom, she didn't say I have to use the bathroom. She said, my bladder is full. So like things like that. It helps for other reasons. So like the special interest helps her with like her interoception because she has poor interoception. She has a hard time understanding when she has to use the bathroom, when she's in pain, when she's sick. So having a special interest in human anatomy is actually really helpful for that. So there's certain things that people don't take into consideration. I know some people might think it's weird. Our five-year-old sits there and says, I'm a lung. I like to drink blood (laughs) because she will say the weirdest things pretending like she is these human organs. And out of context, I'm sure they sound really strange, but she's actually right about what she's talking about. In that sense, she's using her special interest as not just a way to like knowledge gain, but it's kind of like a way to feel like a sense of belonging and kind of center yourself. For me growing up, one of my other intense special interests was always medieval history. I actually ended up having a history major. And that's another thing about special interests is they tend to be lifelong. Like I was absolutely obsessed with medieval history, basically as a child. As long as I can remember, I've been collecting like medieval figurines. Matt and I had a medieval themed wedding. I majored in history and took a lot of medieval history courses. I binge watched every documentary. Matt and I would go on these like book dates when we were dating. And every time I would go, I'd pick out a medieval book for him to buy me. Went to all the Renaissance fairs. I learned how to fence because of it. I learned archery because of it. That's the other difference between a special interest and a hobby. A hobby might be like if somebody's into, let's say my dad, he was into World War II history, right? He was obsessed with collecting World War II history books and he read a lot of them and he knew a lot about them. That's pretty much the extent though. He was a super genius go-to guy about World War II history. However, it stayed in the knowledge category. For me, my special interest in medieval history went far beyond knowledge gathering. Like I got involved. I taught myself the skills of medieval time. I went and learned like medieval recipes. I went to like medieval feasts. Like I really did and exhausted all avenues of medieval life. And I feel like that's also what I did with autism. Like if you notice for me, autism has kind of become a special interest. So I'm not satisfied with just learning about autism on my own. I had to go and create a podcast. I had to go and create Autism Wish. I had to go and get involved in my community. That's basically the major difference between a hobby and a special interest. Generally speaking, hobbyists don't go spread their hobby out in the community and like try to really push hard to develop and create new things. They're usually content with just learning or practicing the thing kind of like in privacy or like with a few friends. We are kind of like so obsessed and deeply entrenched that we want to like keep building upon it. To be fair, your father was also what, like a 25 year Air Force pilot veteran? True. 
that might be a little related. <laughs> right. So like, I feel like in World War II, they had a lot of pilots there. Yeah, I guess he didn't try and buy like a tank or something on like eBay. Well, I guess airplanes were also his special interest. So that kind of tied into true. that. And he did go out of his way to become a pilot. So maybe that was his. I don't know. No, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's a very heavily invested like passion project for sure. And it's not like your typical like, oh, I'll do it like once a week kind of thing. If I skip the one day that I'm supposed to do it, like it's no hard feelings, like I'll do it another time kind of thing. It's more of a like daily investment of your time and energy into whatever that category is that you consider to be a special interest. So I definitely think it's kind of taking it to the next level. As long as it isn't something that's like hurting people or the general public, I can say it's probably okay and good, but I guess I don't know all the special interests that people might have. So yeah, <laughs> with that, that disclaimer, <laughs> I'm hoping that her human anatomy special interest doesn't escalate to something else. <laughs> right, right, right. As long as it's like healthy and not causing any issues like in society, I suppose that's perfectly fine. I've had plenty of hobbies. I've done knitting. I've learned to sew. I've done art, all sorts of different hobbies. But all of them to me feel like what a hobby would feel like in the sense that I feel like I'm passing the time. I'm doing something I enjoy. I might be spending time like with you when we're doing like archery and things like that. But it's different because when I am experiencing like my special interests, it's like there's light in my eyes and there's like a spark and there's like something that's really driving me at that time. And there's also like kind of honestly like a spiritual connection for me. Like I remember when we went on our honeymoon and of course, in the theme of my special interest, I forced us to go to Wales so that we could go and tour all the castles. Fun fact, Wales has like the most castles per square foot in the world. So that's why I picked it. I know that's that's why I picked it. Special interest. <laughs> not, um, not square and, inch. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, when I went there, we went up to this cathedral and I kid you not, the, the sheer presence of that cathedral and it wasn't even built. It was a medieval one. It was just like the bones of it, the frames of it, but it was still really tall and gorgeous. I literally feel like I had like this spiritual intense connection where I had almost like an out of body experience where I was like, oh my gosh. I'm feeling like intense euphoria right now. I couldn't really explain it. But to me, the only thing that has ever done something like that has been something that I have found deeply rooted in a special interest of mine. A hobby could never do that for me. Doesn't matter how long I've been playing tennis. I'm never going to feel that when I'm holding a tennis racket. To me, that's one of those differences too. If your child is experiencing a special interest and you see them flapping their arms like crazy when they see that thing. Like our eldest, when she sees her special interest, she tenses up all her muscles and smiles really big and it's just so cute. But to me, like that is a different experience than a hobby. Like that to me is really a like pure form of joy that I feel like most neurotypical people just don't get to experience. Yeah. Like, I mean... <laughs> I mean, there's things I definitely enjoy. I don't think I'm heavily invested in any particular area that I would consider to be a special interest. Maybe at some point in my life, but not right now. I'm kind of just me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't have anything that uh, really qualifies as anything special interesty. I know that like colors can also do that for me. So I don't know if this would fall under the special interest category, but it kind of does in the sense that 
certain people have like, you know, favorite colors or affinities to certain colors. And like for me, it has always been greens and particularly light greens or mint greens. That also denotes like a really strong sense of like euphoria for me. And I remember like our room has been painted this like ugly beige color for the longest time from when we purchased the home. When my mom came over, she was able to help us paint it. And we painted it that like mint green. And I kid you not, walking into the room, I just, I completely felt like a totally different person. Like I felt like it went from like glum and dark that I didn't even know I was experiencing that emotion when I went in that room to like really feeling like really bright and excited and calm and happy. So like now that room truly does make me feel like way more at peace. And I know there's some psychology behind colors and such, but I noticed that with autistic people, that experience tends to be more intense. And I feel like that's why special interests are also more intense. We just kind of experience feelings at a higher intensity than most people, which could be good and bad, depending on that feeling. <laughs> a couple seasons back, we were kind of looking at kind of the social elements kind of of like the brain. At, uh, I can't remember what the study was, but it was kind of showing how they were kind of interconnected with different attributes. So it would make sense that if you find something that is purely bliss or like enjoyable that it would trigger other parts of the brain that are interconnected in whatever way it is so you would experience a different type of joy that might not be the same as what another person who sees their favorite color is experiencing because it might incorporate more sensory feedback into different areas so i think it makes perfect sense i mean um and i, I completely agree i mean if you're able to find something that is able to almost instantly bring a peace calming presence i mean you should definitely try and seek out more of that in your everyday life because i mean life is already stressful enough so i mean if you have a like almost i think of like video games like a cheat sheet to like calming or like restoring your energy you'd be crazy almost not to go along with i don't know painting the room a certain color that makes you feel at ease or something along those lines yeah. And the other thing that people sometimes forget is that special interests, sometimes they can be things that to parents feel like useless. Like, for example, I knew somebody who was intensely obsessed with Mario. And again, I say I've been using the word obsession as like a synonym for special interest. It's not really the same thing, but I'm the type of person that has no problem using it for myself. I don't care if somebody says I'm obsessed. I'm cool with that. So I'm using it to refer to myself here. Having like this super strong special interest in something like Mario, too many people might feel like, how's that useful? How's that beneficial? It's not going to bring my kid to be like an anatomist. They're not going to be a great doctor because they are like stuck on Mario. How's this helpful at all? It's just detrimental. So depending on that special interest, parents might feel a certain way about the interest that their child has, and it might be negative. What I would say to that is you can always find a way to harness that special interest into something that could be beneficial. So if your kid is super obsessed with Mario, you could do what we did, where we were basically harnessing our daughter's obsession with Mario to help drive her in her therapies. So we've done things like that, too, for like at-home therapy when she is unwilling to participate because uh, she also has PDA, which is like pathological demand avoidance. So like any time there's any sort of demand placed on her, which could be as basic as like pick up your cup you just dropped. She basically goes into fight or flight mode and just panics. So in those moments, it is helpful for us to incorporate her special interests. So like we might take a duck and make the duck talk and have the duck ask her to do that thing. And because the duck is asking her, she might be more willing to do it. Or maybe we say, 
well, we don't want you to do it. We want the duck to do it. Can you help the duck do it? And so then she will go grab the duck, get the duck and get the duck to grab the cup for her and then put it away. So it's like sometimes harnessing that power of the special interests can really help with those situations where you're having behavioral issues, transition issues, things like that. And it's also something that would be particularly helpful in future career aspirations. So a lot of these special interests could turn into a career, even if they seem weird. Like our kid is obsessed with ducks, rubber ducks. Maybe we don't think she could be like a duck farmer. You know, like that's like a strange thing to like think of as a career. But who really knows? Like Temple Grandin was obsessed with like the cattle prodding. It was like this cattle prodding mechanism thing. And she was obsessed with that as a kid. And as she grew up in the farm, she created basically an invention that is now used globally for farming. And she became mega successful because of it. I'm sure her parents never in a million years would have been like, oh, her interest in cattle is going to launch her into this successful, lucrative career. But yet it did. So I never want to limit my kids because you really, at the end of the day, never know. Well, I mean, I even love the story of like Steve Jobs, for example. I mean, he was in college, not really knowing what he wanted to do. And he decided, oh, I really like calligraphy because it's very beautiful and just kind of the design that it has. Oh, okay, that must just be fun hobby. Like that will never, nothing will ever come of that. But if you're able to create another world and use a creation to create something that hadn't previously been there, as far as like the text in Apple, you're able to kind of use it in a different way that hadn't previously been seen as beneficial to the world. So if you're able to apply one aspect and apply it in a different way, you can potentially be successful using whatever interest that is. There's countless stories of people who kind of take that into a different way and they create something completely different because they're being creative when no one else was trying to push the envelope in that direction. And then they have something magical on their hands because you almost can't imagine the world without kind of like Apple, for example, or like any of these other industries that hadn't been previously seen or valued until they're already heavily incorporated in everyday life. So, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily sell any of those things short. It's just trying to figure out how they can be beneficial to different avenues to use as potential careers or to create something new entirely. That's more so the tricky part. But I think if you keep at it, I think eventually it might have some breakthrough or you might be able to find something that is beneficial in some way or other. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, there's also the kiddos on the spectrum who may never have a career. Like we have kids on the more severe end side of the spectrum and kiddos like that aren't necessarily looking at a special interest as something that they could ever have some sort of realistically career with. However, that special interest is still very likely bringing them joy. That special interest is still likely giving them that like psychological freedom that they need when they're under stress, particularly with kids who are nonverbal. I have not experienced being nonverbal. However, I do have some auditory processing and language processing issues that sometimes make it temporarily difficult to communicate. During those moments, I have experienced severe anxiety because I've not been able to get out of my mouth the words that are stuck in my head. And it does feel like you're drowning for that split second. I literally feel like I'm drowning and it's like a panic mode. So I cannot imagine what it must feel like being nonverbal when you can never communicate or express those thoughts. Or if you're selectively mute and you lose that ability and sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. If I've experienced that much anxiety with just the little bit of time that I've not been able to do that, I can't imagine how stressful and anxiety-inducing it must be 
to not be able to do that most of the time, if not all of the time. So in those instances, a special interest really serves as a great outlet to be able to just experience joy, release that anxiety, release that stress or tension, or even build a new way to communicate with somebody. Like our eldest, when she was nonverbal, which she was for a couple of years, we used her special interest to communicate with her. Like we were communicating through her ducks with her. We were trying to express feelings and emotions through her ducks. And eventually we were able to get her to understand those concepts by using her special interests. So I think that having a special interest helps really across the entire spectrum, regardless of whether you're on that level one end or the level three end. I agree. I mean, if you're able to find enjoyment um, in anything that you do, I mean, try to keep at it and enjoy the world you can. And like I always say, if somebody is judging your child because they have a unique or strange special interest, like I said, our kids are currently super into organs. Forget it. Forget what people say. Like, honestly, like just let it slide off your shoulders. I know it can be difficult. I was talking to a mom the other day who was basically saying that they felt really stressed and like kind of embarrassed to ask for accommodations for their child because of the judgment and the shame that's associated with that. And I completely understand that. I used to be there. I used to think that way. But at the end of the day, I care more about my kids than I care about what anybody out there thinks. And at the end of the day, my kids' well-being, their safety, their comfort, their happiness, their joy, all of that is way more important than what any stranger thinks about me or my kids. So I've just chosen to basically not value what they're saying, at least not weigh it as heavily as what I would weigh my own family's feelings and thoughts and concerns. When it comes to special interests, if somebody is judging my child by their special interests, if it's a harmless special interest, even though it might be considered weird or quirky, I just don't sweat it. Like if they don't like it, okay, they can move on. It's not a big deal. I'm going to support my kid. And if my kid wants me to get her like a human anatomy doll where you can pluck off all the organs and Velcro them on, then I will. It's on my wish list as we speak. <laughs> I think of like the uh, the old like classrooms where they have like the like the bones of like the, the human just like rolling that in and out of her like bedroom. Oh, yeah. Get yeah. her the giant skeleton that they hang in like Miss right. Frizzle's classroom on the magic school bus. <laughs> <laughs> So if you know anyone who wants to dedicate their body to science, but in a, I guess, personal, <laughs> special interest, let us know. Yeah, please don't send cadavers to us. That is not what we want. <laughs> no, not the, like the, the bones. Like the... Okay. Well, that's pretty much all we have for this episode. Um, as a reminder, if you like what you hear, please consider supporting our channel. We have multiple ways that you can give, but right now the easiest is Cash App using dollar sign Autism Wish or Venmo at Autism Wish. Your donation is going to help us keep our studio lights on and our programs running, particularly as we are still struggling financially. Your donation is going to go directly towards supporting this and helping us continue to bring this information these programs this podcast to you bye, bye. this has been the audio from the embracing autism podcast live stream series please check out our youtube channel at youtube.com slash at autism wish to catch these shows live otherwise stick around next week for our next episode this is embracing autism